When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And when you write it down and you put it on paper, it's always a little shocking. I'm like, how do I spend that much money every month? Because we always just think, okay, my rent's this much or my mortgage is this month. And like, that's my monthly expenses. But no, no, you gotta also include your grocery expenses, your entertainment expenses, $10,000. No matter what goal you're striving for right now in your business or your personal life, it's a number that could probably help most of us get to those goals, right? So for me, $10,000 was the first real milestone and goal that I set for myself financially when it came to going full-time with my business. I wanted to save at least $10,000 as sort of a nest egg or an emergency fund before I'd be comfortable taking the leap and leaving my comfortable day job. I did that and a lot of people asked me, how did you do that? How did you save $10,000 or your first $10,000 to actually be able to take the leap? Now I'm again in the process of working towards some saving goals as I'm thinking about buying a home and taking just the next step in my business and things like that. So I wanna talk about how to actually start saving money and hopefully reach that 10K mark of your own. There's really two things you can do if you wanna save money. You can make more money or you can spend less money. For most of us, the answer is gonna be a little bit of both. The first thing that I did, I'll tell my story, is I, made more money. That's really how I got started. I got a side hustle. I was working full-time in corporate. I was making a pretty good salary. The salary that I made did cover my living expenses. The side hustle that I eventually turned into my full-time business, the social media management and, and freelance copywriting gig that I was doing, that was all just extra. And I really made it a point to myself to not spend any of it. The only time I would spend my business money is for business expenses or for my taxes, you know, that were business related, business travel, things like that. I really didn't get in there and and spend any of that freelance income really for like two or three years that I was, I was side hustling. And I know that not everybody has maybe that discipline and some people might also need their side hustle money. Maybe their full-time job is not covering all of their expenses in which case that makes it a little bit more challenging. But even still, if you can just put it in your mind, like this money is extra. I was planning to get by on just my my full-time job income. I don't really need this extra money that can kind of help just to, to separate those things. Now, if you are already full-time with your business and you can't really get a side hustle, you might think about introducing a new revenue stream. So maybe you do full service you know, agency work and you want to launch a course or a digital product or start doing cons- some consulting, or you know what? This is not attractive. I, I fully understand that this is not like 
fun sounding to a lot of people, but you can also get a part-time job. If your business isn't doing what you need it to be doing financially quite yet, it's not there. Maybe you feel like you took the leap too early or, you know, things have been affected by some changes in, in, in the market right now. You can get a part-time job at Starbucks or Target, or you can do something even more flexible like Uber Eats or something like that just to kind of help generate more money for yourself. And I, you know, when I quit my day job, I told myself I have to be okay with that. I told myself, you do not have an option to be picky. If you need to, if business dies down and you need to get a part-time job somewhere to just kind of help you get by, I told myself I would do that. I would edit videos for people. I would do whatever I needed to do to make that extra money. So those are all things that you can do as well. Again, like I said, what I did was I side hustled in addition to my full-time job. I had a business account and I didn't really touch that money. So that's what I did to increase the revenue there. Now, the next thing that would be smart to do is just add up all of your expenses. Go through and, and when you write it down, and you put it on paper, it's always a little shocking. I'm like, how do I spend that much money every month? Because we always just think, okay, my rent's this month or this much, or my mortgage is this month, my car, if you have a car payment, it's that much, and then that's my monthly expenses. But no, no, you gotta also include your grocery expenses, your entertainment expenses, your clothing budget, your you know grooming, do you get your hair done? Do you get your eyelashes done? Anything like that. So go ahead and take an average for that. So record this amount for you know a couple months or so. Take an average of how much you're spending every single month and also pay attention to your debt. This is a big one and this was one that for a long time was really adding to my personal monthly expenses. I've made it no secret that I made some credit mistakes when I was younger. I'd be happy to talk more about that if anyone's interested in more personal finance content, just let me know, I'm, I'm totally open to that. I had a lot of credit cards and though they didn't have huge balances, they had monthly payments. So, you know, I had a, a monthly minimum. So I was $25 here, $25 there, I mean, that adds up. And I was paying like hundreds of dollars just in minimum payments. And we'll talk about that in a little bit too. So then what you wanna do once you have a grip on what you're spending, and most banks, my bank, it, it does a really nice little report for me too. If I wanna pull up my spending every month, it kind of gives you a little graph so you can see how much you're spending on eating out, how much you're spending on shopping, blah, blah, blah. You're gonna audit your spending that's the next thing that you want to do. So you want to actually say, okay, how much of this is necessary? How much of this is nice to have and justified? And how much of it is like just out of control? For me, the thing that's always out of control and still to this day, and this is one of the things that I'm working on right now, as we're talking about our financial goal of buying a house, I'm like, I do not need to eat out four times a week. And that's conservative. It's probably more than four times a week, if I'm being honest, or, or was you know, a couple months ago. So take a look at those things that aren't really necessary and cut those things out. Just make it a goal to cut those things out. I mean, there, there's no easier, more fun way to put it. it. It just is what it is. You just have to stop doing it. But I do think it's important to say that you can't cut everything out, okay? You, you don't wanna cut your life out to the point where you have no life, you have no fun. For me, eating out is fun. It is something I like to do. I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't, you know, do anything like that. I don't go to the club. So for me, eating out is entertainment. It's recreation. It's a way for me to bond with my friends, my family, my husband. I do budget for eating out. It's just four times a week 
is a little obnoxious, maybe two times a week or even one time a week, and then it makes it really special. So don't forget to budget in for entertainment, for fun, for just goofing off, buying a t-shirt at H&M if you feel you know called to do it, whatever. Make sure to leave room in your budget for that. Then from there, what you should do based on you know knowing your, your monthly expenses is set an income goal. So say, how much do I need to make to cover all of these expenses, number one, and is my primary revenue stream, like your your full-time job or your main revenue stream in your business or whatever it is that you're doing, does that cover it? And if so, you know, then your additional side hustle can go to savings. Or if it's not, then how much do I need to make total to actually, you know, make up for that stuff? And just set a, a realistic either percentage of your income or dollar amount of your income that you can set aside to savings every single month. Again, maybe it is going to be your full side hustle income. Maybe it's going to be half of what you make from your side hustle. Maybe it's going to be $500. Maybe it's going to be 150, 25, whatever it is that you can do. If you get in the habit of doing that consistently, that's how you save money. <laughs> like, I mean, again, I know it's overly simplified to say it that way, but that is how you do it. And if you just learn to tell yourself, I'm going to take home $50 less every month because I'm going to put that into savings. I'm going to live on $100, $500 less, whatever it is, because that is automatically going into savings and you're almost treating your savings like a bill or like another financial obligation. You'll get there. You just kind of have to retrain your brain. So that's what I would do. The other thing that I did is I kind of like did this hybrid. I know there's lots of different financial like advice and models out there of the snowball method and this and that. I kind of did like a combo. That's what worked for me. I am not a financial expert, by the way. So that disclaimer should have been said early on. But what I did was I paid off some of my credit cards before I really started aggressively saving. I didn't pay them all off though. So what I did was I looked at the total balances. And if you go on like, Credit Karma or any of those things, you'll be able to see all the credit cards you have open because yes, I was at that point where I was like, I don't even know how many credit cards I have anymore. So I went down the list and I said, okay, this one has a hundred dollars on it. Just pay that off. You know, yes, that's going to be a short term loss. If you will, I'm going to be out hundred dollars right now, but I'm not going to have four to really five to six is what it would end up with interest, $25 monthly payments. I'll just get it done with now and save that interest money too. So I think I went through my credit cards and I tried to pay off like anything that was under maybe $500, whatever I could afford at the time basically. And I paid off those lower debts so that I could make room for, you know, I could take that $25 a month and put that towards my savings goal instead of putting that towards paying off debt. So I did have some credit cards still that were way bigger balances, you know, thousands of dollars. And I just left those and said, I'm going to pay those off. I'll pay more than the minimum when I can, but I'm also going to work towards my savings goal. So that's kind of how I did it. May or may not be perfect, but that's what worked for me and is working for me. Then for the big savings here, here, here's what you want to do is, you know, allocate a certain amount of that to be transferred over to a savings account every month. I like to put my money into a high yield interest savings account. So as opposed to just using like your regular credit union or your bank savings account, which is fine 
for smaller amounts, you know, if you just want to save like a thousand dollars to buy a new camera or something, that's probably only going to be in there for a short amount of time. So you probably won't earn a ton of interest on it anyway, but for longer term savings goal, you know, maybe it's going to take you a year, two years, three years to save this $10,000, whatever is going to be reasonable for you and your budget. That is probably a good option, uh, a good use case for a high yield interest savings account. So there are a ton of them out there. I'll try to link some resources on how to decide which one to go with uh, in the show notes. I like Nerd Wallet for all things financial. So I'll leave that in the show notes below so you can um, look at what the current interest rates are. But basically what a high yield interest savings account is, it's a, a savings account that earns you more interest than your typical savings account and there are restrictions on it. So you can take your money out whenever you need it. Usually it's like more than five, six, seven times a month or something like that. So it's really meant to stay in there. You shouldn't be using it like an ATM card and like taking money out all the time. And the good thing about that is that it kind of forces you to keep it in there. It forces you to not go ahead and just spend recklessly because you have it in there. And for shorter term savings goals, something that I really like is, again, I'm not a financial expert, so I'm sure there's, you know, probably lots of opinions on on sites like this or apps like this, but I like Acorns. Acorns is a really nice way. I actually started a little fund for my nephews in there. I was like, I'm just gonna like put aside, I don't even know what it's set to. You can, you can choose how much you want it to automatically save every month. I think it's really low for me. It's like $10 a month or something like that. And they also do these things called roundups. So if I go to the store and I spend $5 and 75 cents, it's gonna take that quarter and just make it a, an even six, take that quarter and put it into my Acorns account. So I'm just saving little bits here and there. I'm not really thinking about it. You don't really, you know, when you see something for 575 in my brain, that's $6. So I don't miss that quarter. And so I just have that going for like smaller or maybe more passive savings goals. It's not necessarily, Hey, I want to reach $10,000 by the end of the year. It's more of those just kind of like, Hey, for whenever my nephews and niece become adults and maybe they're looking to buy a house or they're looking to pay for their tuition for school. I'll have that for them to help them out. Uh, so that's what I use. I do have a referral link for Acorns if you want to check it out in the show notes. I think you'll get a $5 bonus to, to start off your savings if you're interested in having a more uh, sort of passive account like that. So today's episode is brought to you by the Freelance Friday Club. This is my exclusive membership community that I check and interact with every single day. It's the most affordable way to get personalized access and coaching with me. I'm in there every single day answering questions and I'm also in there multiple times per month between two and four masterclasses are hosted by me live each month. We do group calls where we all get together with our cameras on and talk about what's going on in our businesses. I also do trainings where we'll work through things like pricing, client issues, and creating cool graphics in Canva and so much more. So I'm going to leave a 50% off link for you down in the show notes. If you'd like to get started, it is a month to month membership and you can cancel anytime. So go ahead, get started, and I will see you over there in the club. All right. Today's question is slightly related. I think I find it to be slightly related. It says scaling to an agency from being a solopreneur, how? Okay, so the reason I say it's slightly related is because I think you gotta start by making some money. Uh, Start by, I think just like you made in a 
income goal or a revenue goal or a savings goal rather to quit your day job, likely, or at least hopefully, you should also make a savings goal and a revenue goal for when you are ready to scale and start hiring people. That's what I did. I wanted to prove and to know that I could actually pay the salaries that I, I was paying. You know, I didn't want to hire somebody and then be like, oh shoot, actually month two, we're out of money, you know? So I made it a goal to save six months of salaries in the bank before I decided to hire someone full-time. That's what felt comfortable to me. And that's what a lot of my mentors and people I looked up to recommended. I actually have an entire video on when you know it's time to hire, when you know you can afford to hire kind of thing. It's like a work session, a whiteboarding session. So I'll link that for the financial things. But yeah, I think it's important to start hitting some consistent revenue months on your own. And also that will help you know that you can really do the service that you're providing, that you're really getting very good and very strong at what you're doing. You don't want to start an agency on kind of a sinking ship and you're like, I don't know, I hope we're doing okay or I hope people are going to want to work with us. You want to sort of have that formula and that method down already. And the agency is really just going to help you take things to the next level and serve more people or serve people at a higher level that you just weren't able to because you're just one person. Speaking of systems and formulas, develop those systems and document those systems. This is also really important before you start hiring people, have those systems down. And what a system is, is if I say, okay, this podcast, here's how we do it. I'm going to do the the plot for the, the video setup. So I'm going to actually write a piece of paper and say, okay, here's where can, we're, you know, lighting one, lighting two, here's where the camera is. Here's all the different settings on the camera that needs to be done. That is a system. So that way, if I hire somebody, a hire a production assistant, I can say, here's the plot for the podcast setup. I need you to start doing this now. And I'm not going to be wasting my time physically hand-holding them and training them, it's going to be there. Then for the marketing aspect of the podcast, I'm going to write down, okay, this is, you know, just a Google doc. That's all you need. Just a Google doc of here's each of the platforms that we're going to post the podcast to. Here's the sizes of the graphics that I need. Here's the templates. If we have templates for any of this stuff, uh, here's response, who's responsible for posting. Here's when we engage with the posts, all of that stuff. So write down step by step by step, write it down. Like the person reading it is five. And I don't mean that to be rude to any of your future hires. It's just always better to give more information than too little. I also like using the tool Vidyard to screen record. So if I am creating a graphic, I'm creating like a, you know, audiogram of the podcast, I'll just screen record myself doing it so that if I hire somebody, they now know how to do it too. And again, it's, I don't have to call a whole meeting to train them. I just have a video training in Google Docs ready for them to go. So start working on that stuff. Make sure that you have systems and processes for everything that you do, especially when it comes to clients, you know, the client workflow. Then I think it's important to build out your org chart. So determine who you need. You know, you're not going to be able to hire every single position on day one. You're just probably, unless you're making millions of dollars, probably not going to be able to afford that, right? I still am not hiring or outsourcing out for every single thing that I would like to outsource for. So I chose the most important things, the things that I was doing the most often, the things that were being uh, either the most neglected or the things that had the highest revenue impact on the business. And then you make choices and you say, okay, first hire needs to be a marketing manager. Second hire needs to be a graphic designer, you know, whatever it is, 
based on your business model, based on the inquiries that are coming in and based on your strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, I mean, that's really the hardest part is finding good people, which I, I've i said it before, I'll say it again, my best people have come through networking. Like they haven't, they've always just come very organically. They've come from masterminds and group coaching experiences that I've been in with my coach, as well as my own Freelance Friday Club. I've hired a lot of people from the Freelance Friday Club just because I'm seeing them every day. I'm talking to them every day. I've hired uh, people who have been customers of mine, you know? So that's the kind of the hard part. It's the easy part, but it's the hard part because really the people are what's gonna make your agency a success, (laughs) Uh, hiring the right people. So start networking now. That's something I advise to people. If you're thinking you wanna start an agency, even if you're thinking financially, I'm not gonna be there. I'm not gonna have six months salary in the bank until this time next year start talking to people now, start doing some of that networking, either by joining some things formally or just doing informal stuff, reaching out to people who you are interested in. You know, if you like somebody's work, you follow some graphic designers or you follow whatever you're hiring for, you follow some copywriters that you like, you you vibe with them, you like their style, start just like, hey, can we have a coffee meeting? I'd love to learn about you and what you're doing and how we can kind of mutually help each other. That's a great place to start, almost like an informational interview. Uh, Because once it happens, once you are ready in that place financially, like I said, that's where the hard part comes. And it's good to have a couple of people in your back pocket and just keep a list of them. Keep a document on hand so that when you do need those folks, you have them ready to go. And you know you, you already know that you like them and that they're qualified because you've already had those sort of informational interviews months ago. Okay, so I hope you are able to hit your savings goal. That is how I reached my first savings goal of $10,000. And like I said, that was a really important milestone for me because that allowed me to build an emergency fund of probably, I don't know, that's probably about, at that point, I mean, my expenses are a lot higher now, unfortunately, but at that point it was probably like five months, four months of expenses. And that really empowered me. I talk a lot about having an emergency fund before you take the leap into full-time entrepreneurship because it allows you to be really picky. You don't have to act out of desperation. If you know that you have that 10K sitting in the bank as a backup, you're not gonna have to work with every client who is not your ideal client, who is rude to you, who doesn't pay you what you're asking, who pays you late, you're gonna be able to really take charge of your career. So get to saving, I hope it helps, and I will talk to you in the next episode on Friday. Have a good day, bye. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Show notes for this episode are available at latashajames.com slash podcast and contain all of the links I may have mentioned today, as well as an invitation to join my private Facebook group, the Freelance Friday Podcast Community. Thanks so much. We'll talk soon.